opposing the, the government and opposing the Conservatives. I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any dissent whatsoever. We know who the hard left who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right to right wing. Hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalisation without compensation. Hard left wing position. Hard left, hard left, to hard left. The hard left, the hard left, the hard left, hard left, hard left, the hard left. The hard left, the hard left, hard left, the hard left, hard left, the hard left, hard left, hard left, hard left, the 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 hard left, 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 that this is the most important music story of possibly the year. Looking through my list of albums I've heard this year, I've listened to 31 new studio albums released so far in 2023, not counting archival releases and stuff. And if these guys put out another one, I think, you know, all those 31 records are going to be eclipsed. <laughs> but yeah, I thought maybe because we've done it before, we generally tend to do a little uh, reshuffle catch-up. It might be good yeah. to take a look at the latest changes to Keir Starmer's Shadow Cabinet. Geraint, has Keir Starmer's Shadow Cabinet moved to the left in the latest reshuffle? Well, it will surprise all our listeners to hear that no, no it hasn't. He has promoted a load of right-wingers to what was already quite a right-wing Shadow Cabinet. It uh, was. We described on our show his last Shadow Cabinet as ultra Blairite. Mm-hmm. And what does that fucking make this one? This one is... McTurnanite. Fucking... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're all gonna fucking die. Yeah, yeah. That is, that is I agree. Exactly so, in yeah. terms of who's been demoted, because this is the bit that might get your hopes up, because... <laughs> Mike Gapes, what? Mike, did you say Mike Gapes? He's been made Shadow Chancellor, what? <laughs> so... That's oh, a... you said might get... An easy, easy, uh, <laughs> easy mistake to make. That's the next yeah. reshuffle. They're preparing the ground for big gapes. He's a bit worried about putting a strong. <laughs> Just reinforcing the ground with solid steel. <laughs> He's a bit worried about putting a, a strong man of that caliber into one of the big jobs. You know, it might be so powerful. A circus it pulls strong power man. away from him. Yeah. <laughs> Land a circus, a literal strong man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm reading a, a summary of it on The Guardian because I've just got the general vibes of it. So I scroll down to the demoted or gone section and the people who've lost out from it. Jim McMahon, to be expected. Because... Oh, I heard from um, some idiot that he was on the left of the party. Mm. I actually can't remember who said that. Some I mean, fucking idiot. <laughs> he isn't, but by the standards of Starmer's shadow cabinet, he probably was. So Seen off. Yeah, same boat as Rosina Allen Khan, just kind of straight down the line, boring centrist. Mentored by Tom Watson. Yeah, yeah, so she stepped down from the Shadow Mental Health Brief, which is now pretty much abolished because it wasn't going to be given Shadow Cabinet status. Yeah, so, he did fill it because I think it. No, he, he, was, he did fill it, yeah. If you know, a people of were spinning later. badly her statement that there was clearly no role for her there. Yeah. So he was just like, oh, I'll give it to some fucking nobody. Idiot, yeah. But it was clearly not something to take seriously at all and kind of hasn't been really since Corbyn introduced it. But mm. yeah, the other demoted organs are very funny because it's Jonathan Ashworth and Lisa Nandy, who <laughs> both spent years and years sucking up to the right of the party and, and well jonathan the... ashworth i saw in there it might have even said in the guardian that a load of starmer's hardcore people hate ashworth to this day for not resigning during mm. the coup against corbyn in 2016 but my understanding was that he only didn't resign during the coup in 2016 because he was the shadow cabinet's representative on the national executive committee yeah. and thus provided the right with a greater majority of I mean, the I, NEC. I think both can be true. I think they could have been happy to leave him there for tactical reasons, both, as you say, for the valuable NEC seat, and also they want one person in the shadow cabinet under Corbyn, one or two, so they can constantly get accurate briefs of what's going on and leaks. But 
they're also so factional, so deranged, so unhappy that they have long since started to believe their rhetoric about anyone that didn't fight Gorbin with everything they've got is a traitor. So they've probably almost convinced themselves that they weren't. Yeah. In for dubious reasons, and they're now just like, yeah, he's a bastard. So, yeah, he's yeah. fucked. <laughs> Lisa Nandy as well. Again, I've even seen some people trying to spin that as a blow to the left in relative terms. Not that they're trying to put her out as a Corbynite or anything, but, well, sorry, if Lisa Nandy is clearly to your left, you're absolutely fucked. All she does... Yeah. You the Guardian here. She is also unlike a leader on the soft left of the party. No, she isn't. Some of the soft the left nerds that? online supported her. And for vibes-based like, yeah, reasons. For vibes-based reasons, like <laughs> that itself was one of several mask-off moments for those people in that particular faction. Yeah. Every time she goes on TV or makes a statement, it's always right-wing, and it's always just like, I'm very sorry, voters, we're terrible, we're awful, but we will be more right-wing in the years to come. It's all right, it's <laughs> fine. Like As explicit yeah. about that as anyone in the Labour Party. And damn, already they're trying to sort of frame her as the disgruntled and cancelled left. So if the Starmer project does fall apart and, and becomes too right-wing to keep Labour's core vote, then the press will be like, what about Lisa Nandy as a candidate from the left? Yeah, yeah, that'll be a... <laughs> that'd be so funny yeah. if, like, the socialist campaign group backed her for leader. <laughs> the, like, fucking husk of the socialist campaign I mean, group. I mean, that could plausibly happen. It's that far gone. But that's the shorter section of people who've lost out. This is the people now who benefited and been promoted. And you'll detect a, a certain pattern. So... Nice. Liz Kendall. Yes! So she yeah, was, yeah, um... your former MP. Yeah, yeah, you, you fantastic woman. You because you I, always follow America my too, advice. If, if she was my MP, I think. Because you always follow my advice exactly as I give it to you. Yeah, yeah. You voted for Liz Kendall for your MP in 2015, didn't you? Oh no, wait, you voted for the Green Party. <laughs> I understand. Don't worry. Don't worry. So, <laughs> she was in some very minor shadow health role and has now been given the work and pensions brief, which is probably Fucking the, hell. the most like, yeah, terrifying just job to, to the give like, an, an open right winger. Yeah, you know, get the is, fucking pause. That's where his job's just taken, but she's absolutely going to carry on with the bullshit he was talking in his last weeks about, like using AI to make your benefit system more efficient. <laughs> and then if you read around the quotes in more detail, what he actually means is using it to automate their decision-making on the validity of claims. Yeah. Something which already has something like a 70% error rate. You know, it's just a broken yeah. system. That just means it can be more ruthless and but therefore like, more efficient. The, the guy met with like people from Google and then within a week he was saying this stuff. If he doesn't understand or was pretending not to understand what AI in the sort of slightly buzzy, here's the latest development sense is, because the AI is reinterpreting and using the data that's fed into it. The data that's, that's crazy fed into it is going to be. Bridget Phillipson is one of his close colleagues. <laughs> He's got personal yeah. experience. Yeah. The... <laughs> The, the data is going to be, the data is fed into it is going to be existing DWB claims and decisions, which again, they get them fucking wrong and tremendous error rate. So yeah. essentially, yeah, to get the point a computer to, Jesus, man. to speed up something that's already bad and cut corners in doing so. It's going to get to the point where the shit is so fucking future dystopia that, like, Ken Loach just can't get the money to make social realist films about that kind of thing anymore. They're going to have to give them to, like, Ridley Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Both will be dead soon, but I assume this will happen within about two years of the uh, Starmer government. So yeah. <laughs> I'm sure those guys can hang on. They'll have a Ken Loach AI. They'll break, <laughs> they'll break it by feeding in loads of articles about Ken Loach and Ken Loach, and they're just increasingly, like... <laughs> scum right-wing journalist going, this guy hates the Jews. Yeah, yeah, and it's just, it's just <laughs> some outs, anti-Semitic. We'll, we'll get, like, AI Ken Loach's remake of The Triumph of the Will, and then we'll be like, <laughs> all the reviews will be like, yes, this is classic Ken Loach, four stars. Like, and he's this is like, indistinguishable well, I... from Kathy Come Home. He's just like, they're like, blah, 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 protocols of the Elders of Zion, blah, 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 and they're like, AI Ken Loach. Can you make a film? He's like, what? I make films? As I understood it, I'm just sort of some kind of radical hate preacher. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <like> Abu Hamza or something. <laughs> 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 fucking, okay, okay. So I'm then that, fucking, uh, I'm by by the way, this article I'm, I'm working from is, is, is by Peter Walker, which explains 
more like uh, Peter Wanker. Fucking Wanker. Yep, truth, facts. So the next beneficiary was Hillary Benn. Friend of the show, Hillary Benn. Oh, yeah, he's back. Yeah. You know who's really fucking excited about that? Raphael Bear. Yeah. You know what I said to Raphael Bear? Boo! <laughs> didn't see that coming, did you, motherfucker? Yeah, watch out. Congratulations, watch out. Jack. You just killed the man. Are you happy? Well, yeah, I'm not as powerful as Corbin, who doesn't even need to say boo. He does it with his fucking mind lasers. <laughs> but, yeah, so they introduced a little paragraph on Hillary Benn with, even more experienced than Kendall, he has been an MP since 1999. Just like, Oh, so experienced. All I can do to make... Stuff sound impressive is just like, yeah, this guy's a competent time server. You know how fucking long Jeremy be, be Corbyn's been in the MP? Tories. Cunt. I mean, Mike Gapes was around for fucking decades. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Hillary <laughs> Benn is nowhere near yeah, that kind yeah. of stature. No, ridiculous. no sort of achievements on the Gapes scale from Ben. Ben yeah, held he's a, ser- a cunt. Ben held a series of cabinet level and ministerial jobs under Tony Blair and Gordon Brown. That's an interesting way of phrasing he wasn't very important under... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think he was a little bit at the end of Brown's time, if I remember right. Just a boring arse licker who is nowhere near as cool as his And this is the guy, and I will never stop bringing it up, this is the guy who used fucking Guernica in a speech as a Mm. case for bombing civilian areas. Yeah. That's sick, you know? Makes sense. He's a fucking piece of shit. That speech is just satanic stuff. Made me lose faith in politics. Everyone was like, oh, you're so good, you're so fucking good. It was just so clear that the line was to praise his speech to the High Hills, and that line had been agreed before the speech was made, possibly even written, because it just yeah. bore absolutely no resemblance to what was being said and how it was being said. The speech is expected to be damning for Jeremy Corbyn. This is one of the best speeches of parliamentary history. Right, okay, you've yeah. accidentally made a brilliant argument for just abolishing Parliament. <laughs> I mean, it obviously isn't one of the best in history, because uh, his dad, for example, has at least 20 speeches that oh famously not get into a cock that. I think, like, every speech Tony Benn did was better than fuck. Every speech Tony Blair has ever done is better than that fucking Hillary Benn speech. But Blair's hi- not even but to- contain full sentences, usually. No, they just change, change, <laughs> war, change. No, Tony Benn was just a class above. Yeah. He was a real old but school he, orator. Yeah. His words were fucking poetry. Yeah, even someone like Michael Foote, who didn't stay on the left, the hard left, his whole career by any means, was famous for his speeches, and you can sort of see why when you read or see them. Yeah, he was a very literate man who who knew a lot about poetry. Well, literally wrote books about romantic poets. I've got one of them. The What's it called? Like the... I forget, I've forgotten. <laughs> but he was someone who thought very carefully about what he was saying and how he was going to say it and communicate it. Yeah. And it stands out when you see his speeches, even when the speeches are talking bollocks. Hillary Benn is just a very boring man saying that actually bombing is good and using some really sick arguments to try and make the case for it. Some deliberate ahistorical shit that probably one of his little dweebs in his office thought was very clever when they wrote a speech for him. Yeah. Replacing no. Peter Kyle. Replacing... Kyle's still in there though, isn't he? Oh, but yeah, but Kyle got promoted. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, uh, so... fuck that. Fucking cunt. Yeah. Darren Jones has got his first major front bench role. Uh, he, shone, he shone in his grilling of executives and others as the chair of the Commons Business Committee. Oh my uh, god, no one cares about this shit. He rinsed one executive who was like particularly blatant about it and is before, during and since that period completely in the pocket of whatever private company he's paid to supply him a researcher or donate to his campaign. Yeah, just another ungrateful (laughs) bastard who owes his career to Jeremy Corbyn. Instantly got in in 2017, 2017, started praising Tony Blair. And was just like turbo Blair right day one, just a cunt. Yeah, just a working with Rachel Reeves at the Treasury. Yeah. yeah, number two to Rachel Reeves, effectively now. Nice. So yeah, just another fucking yeah. free market zealot. So they're, they're really you know balancing Rachel Reeves with internal counter views, so they're having that debate before they take things to the people. Might uh, be to her right. You don't. You don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Darren. Jo- like, the guy is proper briefcase trajectory. I think his yeah. whole thing is like you just don't 
ever criticise or disagree someone who is senior to you in the Labour right hierarchy. Yeah, unless it's Jeremy yeah, Corbyn, gonna, obviously. That's why, that's because, why it's yeah. the Labour right hierarchy, because to him, during that period, Luke Akehurst and all the big dogs of the Blair and Brown governments were his bosses, as opposed to his yeah. actual bosses. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So... Come Sh- next. Shavana Mahmood's got the justice brief, which is probably a good one to be in now, just because you get a million open goals against the Conservative Party, but there's probably someone there lining up for something bigger. Thangam but Dem- she's got to defend all of mm. Keir Starmer's uh, controversial like uh, links <laughs> oh. to Jimmy Savile and stuff as oh, well. She, she will do in the election campaign when the press remember all that shit. Good luck to her. <laughs> yeah, someone needs to jog those cunts' memories. I'm going to keep saying every fucking episode in case someone from Fleet Street is listening. Uh, I'm gonna Patrick re- Maguire, where are you now? <laughs> well, now that we need you. I'm going to read this next paragraph, just the, the sheer quality of Peter Walker's prose and his political understanding and everything about it. Nice, no, a sort uh, of Michael Foot character, you know, just a the, the Michael Foot, of, The Michael Foot of journalism, yeah. This is a man <laughs> yeah. that truly understands his brief. Uh, truly understands his brief case. And wasn't just like a mediocre cycling journalist who got promoted to one of their main politics writers because he demonstrated a willingness to debase himself attacking Corbyn and praising the Sun newspaper. So, Thangam Debonair. The Bristol West MP also gets a prize at the end of two years in an important but less public-facing role, Shadow Leader of the Commons, with one of the more fun roles, shadowing the culture, media and sport brief. She has personal experience of the area after studying cello at the Royal College of Music. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I, t- I took recorder lessons in school. Give me fucking Tom Watson's job. Great, brilliant. Yeah, that was great, like, Tom Watson. At first, it seemed like he was enjoying it. He was like, oh, cool, I get to just, like, yeah. go to music events. And then he was like... Uh, no, I have a cool bit. I'm not even going to do anything in this role. I actually like. I don't. I, to be fair, I think when he nominally enjoyed the job, he wasn't actually doing any work in it. He was just going no. to festivals and going on the piss with Fergal Sharkey and all those guns. <laughs> yeah, but then it was like he went on strike, and it was like Fergal, like, hey Tom, do you want to come to fucking Fat Cops gig? Oh no, no, no! I'm just going to stay at home and fucking drink butter. Fucking. <laughs> 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 I thought Chris uh, Cop, Chris Bryant. I thought Chris Bryant got fucking culture. I thought he was yeah, back, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Fangam is, is, is shadowing the brief, so it's not actually an important role. But regardless, Peter Walker's decided to write a full paragraph about her, and her up as one of the main winners in it. Oh right. Next one being Peter Kyle, the energetic Hove MP. So just right away tells you this guy briefs journalists a lot energetic yeah what does uh, that mean it means he briefs journalists a lot it means <laughs> he's Jeremy const- Corbyn's energetic he's always out no, there I, doing I, stuff I reckon Peter Kyle is working 50 hour weeks but 49 of those hours are just briefing journalists yeah and maybe 45 hours so there's these 5 hours to meet with private enterprise and take their lines Spent nearly two years as Shadow Northern Ireland Secretary. What a good job he's done, by the way. Yeah, what, uh, <laughs> what he, you've never heard a fucking peep from him. Becomes the first occupant of the Shadow Science role after the creation earlier this year of a new Department for Science, Innovation and Technology. A definite promotion. So I think creating that office this year, they want to be able to come out in an election campaign and sort of allude to Harold Wilson and the speeches about the white heat of technology and all that, and then crucially get lots of journalists to do the same nice. but like you are a million country miles to fucking Harold Wilson's right your entire cabinet is definitely millions of country miles to Harold Wilson's right Harold also, Wilson I don't think killed this within a week if he was around today and he was sort of centre leftish at the time yeah absolutely but I also don't think this is that big of a promotion no. because Northern Ireland is a fucking constituent country of the United Kingdom, whereas this is just some new brief that there has never, ever been a minister of who's like a household name. The counterpoint to that is, while you're correct about Northern Ireland, Labour don't give a shit about it. Yeah, they they don't. It is kind of a non-job. All they want to do is stop the place completely exploding and just be able to nod and go, yeah. Peace process. <laughs> we won Northern Ireland. All right, who are we on? Election watch now. Next up, we got fucking Skeletor. 
Oh god, Pat McFadden. <laughs> a regular presence on the morning broadcast round TV sofas. And sofas in all the offices of uh, the major uh, uh, intelligence uh, 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 services. Uh, 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 I don't watch country. these TV shows, so I presume that's correct, but that's what mental the fuck are they doing? Like, oh yeah, it's half past seven, I'm having a coffee before I head into work, just waking myself up and want some nice unthreatening brief summary of the news. And there's this fucking dead cunt on my TV. <laughs> fucking He looks fucked, man. He has got an absolutely fucked face. He looks like one of those like <laughs> mummies who their face is shrinking but because I, they've been dead so long. I think long. this guy's only really been on my radar for maybe 10 years or so but he's looked identical to that that whole time. I would say he came on my radar when he got sacked by Jeremy Corbyn for saying he supported ISIS. <laughs> saying Corbyn did. Not this wasn't uh, during the Owen Smith campaign. He was like, I'm sick of people like Jeremy Corbyn making excuses. He didn't say Corbyn, but I'm sick of like certain yeah. political leaders making excuses for the people who did the fucking Paris attacks. It's a thing that even John Rental had to issue a groveling apology for to keep his job. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, what did he say again? Was it like, Jeremy Corbyn's having a bloody good laugh right now? Something <laughs> ridiculous like that. It was to the point where <laughs> the people who agreed with him weren't publicly defending him. And Heavy night on the Virgin. A blood. lot of centre left people, their replies were indistinguishable to ours. We were just like, "Fuck off, you cunt." <laughs> yeah, and then two years later, they'd have all been. This was this was he still. He does the, love ISIS. This was still when the general press was really early in Corbyn's leadership. So the general press line was, "Jeremy Corbyn is a nice and principled man who's completely unsuitable for leader." Yeah, <laughs> and Rental's going straight to that mainline 2019 shit of like Jeremy Corbyn personally funds terrorism. <laughs> McFadden is only 58. He's younger oh, than Starmer, younger than Corbyn. He's aged worse than fucking Gapes. 58 centuries more like. At least Gapes was always looked 58. That's true. Yeah. The problem with McFadden is he's always looked about 75. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fucking like, cunt anyway who, who wants to see him over breakfast you know he's got no energy yeah. and he's just sort of mumbling like no money for that no money for that like fuck off man but he's just a war crazed lunatic like mm. coming mm. down to his actual fucking beliefs yeah most left wing midlands labour MP he wow. is a super <laughs> neoliberal as well like I think... crazy so, like, he, he was like one of progress's main guys he was like progress to the death when everyone else had moved on to all the successor orgs because progress was too there was some quote about him because he's been promoted to shadow chancellor of the duchy of lancaster and national campaign coordinator yeah made up bullshit angela rayner bullshit jobs but fucking before that he was working with reeves at the treasury and there was some quote it was like about pat mcfadden again it just made him sound like some demonic fucking monster it was like McFadden fucking pisses blood every time he hears there's going to be public spending. <laughs> I mean, believable. His, yeah. His health can't be good. It's like any time McFadden suspects that the purse strings have been loosened, he fucking, uh, his, his anus collapses. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so he's helping them get election ready, apparently. Yeah, and in the other one that's on election watch is Ellie Reeves. And it's fucking Nepo like, baby, fuck have, off. All they have to say about her is, like, oh, she's Rachel Reeves' sister. Literally her only fucking qualification. Like, just fuck yeah. off. I just remember in 2017 she was getting a fucking absurd amount of positive coverage from people who were like, Corbyn's candidates are all shit cunts and terrible and you probably should be very wary about voting for any of these, apart from Ellie Reeves who's wonderful, a future top job person, based on nothing Did JLM endorse her? Rachel Reeves a bit younger with a less annoying voice, still quite an annoying voice, but like... Oh my god, both terrible voices, terrible fucking voices I think Rachel Reeves voice actually annoys me more than Keir Starmer's. It's oh, it's so like, bad. It's just uh, like it's just just so like brutal and fucking unforgiving and just. Starmer's is bad, but it's got like a goofy comedy character vibe. It's like <laughs> you want to take the piss out of him. Rachel Reeves is like an evil robot telling you. you get I no, will fucking kill you. you. You're getting no rations this week because yeah. <laughs> like, productivity in the salt mines was ninety percent of what it should have been. If they can't afford to feed their children, perhaps they should die and decrease the surplus population. Ha 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 ha! Because she does this thing where she like pretends to laugh like a human does. Yeah, yeah. She does it at random places. It's not like, supposed she, to. She was never ever charismatic or a good speaker because you remember loads of Newsnight producers and that used to grumble whenever they'd have to have her on TV. But yeah. 
she wasn't as bad as this. She just seemed like a slightly boring political wonk type, same as probably 150 other MPs across various parties. But she seems to have got, I don't know if she's had like the worst media coaching in the world, because she didn't used to speak like this, and she didn't used to have this weird... Like, what she's saying is, if anything, even more right-wing than the stuff she used to say. But she seems <coughs> to be, like, trying to present it in a sort of breezy, friendly way. And she's just there, like, I'm going to make your life worse! Ha 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 ha! Oh, did you read that Simon Hattonstone interview of her in The Guardian, where she was trying to be human the whole time, and it was so weird? It was, was like... The chess one? They insisted that they go to some fucking factory where, like, her grandparents worked to do the interview, so that she could have, like, this working-class backstory. It was like a fucking shoe factory. Should have got Bear to do the fucking profile, really, but no, Hattonstone went in there, and he actually he fucking murked her basically we're her grandparents the fucking machinery because that would explain a lot yeah (laughs) yeah because she's not like you know fancy high-tech bridget phillips and she's like fucking industrial revolution construction fucking clockwork (laughs) yeah yeah literally she is a proper victorian figure like you can imagine her running the workhouse yeah. Imagine her writing Jonathan Swift's A Modest Proposal Absolutely. in full seriousness. Yeah, no compassion whatsoever. Like, you can imagine a lot of these labour right bastards go home and they're dealing with their family and they're perfectly nice people around their family and friends and they've just got this political professional compartment where they just cunts to everyone. But I yeah. can't even imagine that with Rachel Reeves. There's just nothing there. Totally. Like, this is mental. I'll read a little bit of this piece that Hattonston wrote early this year in July. A member of Rachel Reeves's team asks if I can meet the Shadow Chancellor in Kettering, Northamptonshire, because she wants to provide the Guardian with quote unquote original colour. Lovely. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what? Oh, so Hanston hated it, you can tell from that. But yeah. Just pulling the curtain back on that stuff. just setting the scene of like this is going to be fucking weird lovely what does the original colour consist of I ask well Rachel's grandparents worked for a shoe factory in Kettering they are the ones who made them not look like feet again the Guardian just picked the complete wrong person to write this article so they they, they worked for a shoe factory were were they on the production lines were they managers they they were the people who held the whip they they were they, they they stood at the gates with a shotgun mowing down strikers. They were well they were Pinkertons, but they were hired by the shoe company. In fact, Rachel's grandma's health was damaged by working with the glue used in laces. There is one caveat. Unfortunately the factory her grandparents worked at doesn't do visits, but we can take you to a nearby factory. So actually we just the same factory. Yeah, we're just factory. going to a random shoe factory in like the fucking Kettering really shoe want to be district. In, in the accompanying photos for this, please. There is a second part to the original colour. Rachel's grandparents were Salvationists. Blimey, that sounds exciting, I say. What are those? They were in the Salvation Army, and as you probably know, Salvationists are very principled, caring people. Oh my Fucking <laughs> so Rachel must be as well. Her grandparents, by the way, we've had to go back two generations for this. Yeah, yeah Im- implicitly her parents are like horrendous, abusive people. Yeah. She's got nothing remotely positive to say, not just about class, but about them at all. Hattinson says, there is nothing the Labour Party at the moment loves more than proving its working class credentials, even if it means skipping a generation or two. Unfortunately, the fucking selfish, striking workers prevent Rachel Reeves's glorious press opportunity in the Kettering Shoe Factory. Hattinson suggests that they talk in London, where they both live, but Reeves' office is reluctant to lose the original colour, so they have to contrive this ridiculous false here's just Rachel doing what she always does, hanging out in shoe factories that are similar to the ones where her grandparents may have worked, but are not that specific. I was going to skip ahead to the chess bit. So, again, just consciously dropping this into not really related questions to try and humanise her. But also, I was a really high achiever. I was a super big brain. At school, I'd constantly worry I wasn't going to get the grades I wanted, which were A's. Sure enough, she got four A's at A-level, double maths, economics and politics. Oh, no. What else did she do besides study? 
I am, I was a geek, I played chess, I was the British girls under 14 champion. But there was another interview, I think shortly before this one, where she did the same, like, I was brilliant at chess, I loved chess, I was fantastic at chess. And then it's like, so I played a couple of games with her, and after three goes she finally beat me, or something like that. Like, <laughs> it's clear that she'd either not played chess since she was 13 and was the British under 14 champion, or that... Perhaps that was a very low standard of play. Um, she just fucking scrambled to find some kind of biographical detail. Like, yeah. all she fucking does is wake up and try and fucking further herself professionally. And it's like, oh shit, I guess I had this kind of hobby in my teens that probably her fucking parents forced her to it's do. Probably, it's probably the last hobby she had that wasn't relentlessly focused on being high-achieving Oxford PPE person. Exactly, um, exactly. Whether that makes her a politician, a banker, a lobbyist, she's been all three, but she would have been set on that sort of career and life probably around that time. So that was like her last vestiges of like, I am a real human being with something vaguely approaching an interest. Yeah, so like, six she, she's, weeks. She's really a cautionary tale about briefcases because she's a success story as nearly all of them would consider it. She's in one of the top political jobs in the country. And it's yeah, but what does it mean? But what's it mean uh, to gain the world but lose your soul? <laughs> There's a complete <laughs> void there, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they fucking reschedule this interview for six weeks after they're originally going to do it because she doesn't want to do it in London because it doesn't make her look like she's enough of a human being. So she's doing that thing, you know, you told that story about Gordon Brown going up to every worker and being like, hello, I'm Gordon Brown. I support, I support, I support Wraith Rovers. Who do you support? Exactly. Hello, she's... I'm Gordon Brown. I support Rate Throwfers. Who do you support? Yeah, it says that she's just going around saying, Hello, I'm Rachel to every worker. She heads the procession, advisors, the chief executive of the British Footwear Association, a public affairs officer for the Salvation Army. So they're like, let's tie it in with them because we're fucking working them into the backstory. And the Labour leader for Northampton North all trail in her wake. This visit is being filmed for social media so Reeves can show her real self to followers. <laughs> this sounds like a scene from the thick of it. Yeah. 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 This like... is just like in the thick of it. <laughs> How many shoes are made in a day? She asks one worker. 800 to 1,000. Very good. Excellent. Well, really nice to meet you. Take care. It, it feels as safe and superficial as a royal visit. Reeves does not mention that she hopes to be the country's next chancellor. She does not ask them how they're, they're going to vote, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's that scene as, like, bad manners. Some of the exchanges come naturally. She's just being nice there, I think. Others less so. <laughs> she asks one woman who joined recently if she has come here straight from college, and the woman gives her a look. Well, I'm 37, this woman confides in the writer. I've hardly come from college, have I? Jonathan Church is impressed by Reeves. Who's he? Oh, he's like the fucking shoe factory manager. Then they go to Salvation Army Church, just because the Salvation Army runs through her fucking veins. <laughs> secondhand. <laughs> the conversation is more relaxed. They have an ease about them that Reeves lacks. Uh, this is what? just an evisceration. This is actually... I, I've not, I hadn't read this whole thing. I've just seen some excerpts from it. But this, it, is, this, this is, is well brutal. worth it. This yeah, this brutal. is well worth pausing the Shadow Cabinet yeah, guy. Yeah, 100%. Well, we'd basically finished that anyway. Ali Reeves was the last name on it. Oh, did we already do we, the we, we, we last We started category. with the losers, didn't we? Which yeah, yeah, okay. Her father's cousin, Stuart, and his wife, Janet, walk in with family photos and tales of yore. Oh, hello! Reeves says, apparently surprised by the stage-managed entrance. So they're just like, hey, Rachel Reeves' relatives, can you come in with loads of family heirlooms and bring shit? Loads of, yeah, bring loads of old family <laughs> photos with Rachel Reeves in them, her parents, and pretend like you didn't expect her to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, She's just on. like, oh, hello. These people literally, I don't even know if she thinks that Simon Hattonston is thick enough to be taken in by that, or I if think she thinks that the stupid cunt who reads... These sort of things, particularly the Guardian as well. Does she just think that the people who read newspapers are that fucking thick? I think she th it? I, I think she thinks Simon Hattonston, he writes for the Guardian, the Guardian like the Labour right, so they're yeah. just gonna they go along with it and write up a, a humanity and bravery and all this shit. 
He wasn't happy. Oh, look, they're just talking about her dad was in a brass band. Oh, ha, ha, ha. He does look grumpy. Ah, ha, ha. She has a fabulously filthy laugh, apparently. Stuart and Reeves' father, who fucking cares? When Stuart got to play the fucking first horn and Graham was only second. Again, she keeps playing up like everyone in my family was super turbo competitive. That's not necessarily a good thing, you know? It... No, that's awesome. What are you talking about? Would stay in Kettering, blah, 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 blah. Okay, this is just boring shit. Again, this, it, there is nothing interesting about this fucking life when you actually just spell out what happened. <laughs> she learned her values from her parents and grandparents. Her parents were primary school teachers. They remained teachers throughout. Yeah, teaching throughout. Oh, she says, my dad was a head teacher when I was growing up. Then he got a degree in education and started doing stuff for international schools, the School of the Americas, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> like curriculum development, lecturing at university, and school inspections. So a little bit more than just a primary teacher, it sounds like. Did her mother stay teaching? Towards the end of her career, she briefly became a head teacher. <laughs> starts their career as a head teacher that's not how it works is it like, yeah i love that she briefly became a head teacher because she's like obviously aware that she comes across yeah. like the person Incredibly in the world privileged. most raised by two head teachers mm. <laughs> <laughs> reeves and her sister were as bright as they were ambitious they pa- loved past learning. tense on calling them bright <laughs> reeves says education politicized her the lack of money for books and school building programs. I felt strongly that the government didn't care about schools and communities like mine and I wanted to do something about it. There wasn't even any money left over for her parents to skim off the budget for themselves. Reeves pales at the mention of a ninety two. Oh my goodness, yes, we must make sure this isn't a ninety two. Yeah, she Well hang on, like the, the whole thing of the sort of late eighties through to the late nineties, you know, till Labour had got in and increased funding. Is that education under the Tories, and I ran into some of this as well, it was the stereotype of classes out in cold water cabins because there weren't quite enough school buildings for full capacity that were in good nick. And we're obviously seeing that in the last few weeks become relevant again because there's this fucking dodgy concrete in, in all the buildings that are having to shut or partially shut. And Labour and Reeves and everyone are coming out and being like, we won't commit to fixing that. Mm. There's no money. There's no money, you know. You just have to risk your children having their fucking ceiling come down and crushing their infant skulls. There's, In my there's first no money year. For it. So obviously, these things you're saying are oh, strongly influenced me and my family. Like, no, they didn't. No, this they didn't. is proper... they were a minor inconvenience for your parents because they were head teachers. <laughs> this is proper social review core. In my first year at university, my college friends bought me a framed picture of Gordon Brown and put it on my desk. Christ. So people studying PPE at Oxford thought she was a nerd. And she cites fucking Bank of England's independence as his greatest achievement. That is fucking Jeez. mad. It's madness. Absolutely Because madness. it gave stability and the minimum wage. Because it lifted people out of poverty. Oh, the it Bank of England independence gave stability. Yeah, good take that. Very good yeah, take. Yeah, what, what happened in that's, 2008? That's definitely... uh, oh, Chinese democracy came out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Dig out your soul. Uh... <laughs> but, I mean, that is just crazy because it just shows she's a pure ideologue for deregulation yeah. she proper comes from that 90s school uh, yeah. school of the americas uh, you know, no she really thinks that blair and clinton fucking had it all sussed what's the biggest obstacle to victory people trusting us with the public finances uh, she says immediately uh, yeah when we do focus groups with key voters people who voted labor in the past but have voted conservative in the last couple of elections if you ask what might stop you from voting for Labour is can you trust women with money? Like, we mentioned the thick of it before. They, in their first fucking series, <laughs> yeah. which is like 20 years old now, had a whole episode about focus groups not having any <laughs> yeah. integrity. And the sort of ambiguity of, like, the person was an actor, but does that mean they can't be in a focus group? But focus groups, obviously, are notoriously set up by the firms that run them, and it's mostly think tanks and stuff doing them. Yeah, they're firms. I would, yeah, have, they are uh, organised uh, crime. You know, they, they are essentially a formalised version of John Harris going on safari and speaking to as many ordinary <coughs> people as he can find until he finds yeah. one or two that agree with his pre-written yeah. article. Anyway, you they know, don't just talk about the public... They even fi- say they're talking about 
about right the uh, focus people groups who will make sure they have a certain amount of people that are very angry about fiscal responsibility uh, yeah. in every focus group. Anyway, they're not just angry at the Labour Party about fiscal responsibility. They go on about Starmer and Jimmy Savile as well. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm hearing on the Labour doorstep. In my focus groups, they talk about that loads. Yeah. They, my focus groups are great. They're all just like just making jokes about Raphael Bear and his heart attacks. Yeah. We've got the best focus groups. Uh, uh, as our focus groups go, so goes the public. I got binders. Labour ignore us at your peril. Exactly. So there's some. Yeah, he just like lays out some facts there about how public services are in the right state, and then he starts to bring up the lies, the lies of Sir Keir Starmer, the ten pledges. When standing for Labour leadership, he was going to increase income tax for top five percent of earners, and he U-turned on almost all his pledges, including this one. Has there ever been a better time to increase income tax for the wealthiest? Look. Reeve says. I love the fact that he leaves in that she starts every political answer with either look or well look. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I fucking <laughs> hell I've just noticed that as well because yeah you could just <laughs> cut that out but it's so important to her speech mm. look I'm going to lay this out to you common sense sound money economics we already do have the highest tax burden in 70 years wherever you are in income distribution fucking hell. It's not really we- true is it? Because, like, the, 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 the sort of top, top earners were taxed 90% at the start of that 70-year period. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, they cut it off exactly after that. Our 90% folk... over a high threshold, but yeah, your tax burden was fucking higher if you're super rich. Our focus is more on growing the economy and closing the tax loopholes. Again, the tax loopholes thing, that was just like fucking what Ed Miliband said. It was just like, oh yeah, we're going to clamp down on tax evasion, but not tax avoidance, that's fine. But we're going to just make sure that, you know, the people doing really dodgy shit don't get away with it. They're just going to persecute people making a few quid out of an OnlyFans or something like that. Yeah, or, yeah. or a Patriot. Yeah, exactly. They're like, going to come after our pit and some Hard working before, before businesses. Before they come for, like, actual fucking... CEOs. Yeah, no, they don't care. The Labour Party are very anti-business, anti-hard-working small businesses like us. But yeah, she says our focus is more on growing the economy as well. So again, just like trickle-down fucking bullshit. And he says, is that because you don't want to upset big business? And she says, we do want to build a broad coalition, but our main focus is what we can do to grow the economy. Again, just repeat the rote fucking line. Uh, just economic growth equals everything gets better. The line that all but the most deranged business leaders would want her to. Everyone that isn't the fucking Pimlico Palumas guy will be like, yeah, keep saying that. Exactly. And then he brings up the Jamie Driscoll thing. Last month, the North of Tyne Mayor Jamie Driscoll was barred from being the party's candidate to contest the new and much bigger North East mayoralty after appearing on stage with the left-wing film director Ken Loach. Loach was expelled from Labour in 2021 for appearing on a label against the witch hunt platform way before that organisation was prescribed by the party. The group was formed to campaign against what was seen as politically motivated allegations of anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. Quite remarkable to hear that all stated clearly yeah. in The Guardian. This doesn't sound like a broad coalition, does it? Look, Keir's number one thing when he became leader was he was going to tear out anti-Semitism at the roots, and that means there is a zero-tolerance approach. You know, just the same old fucking lines. Yeah. It's like, all oh, criticise anything we do, oh, it's anti-Semitism. Fuck off. But again, Hanson's having none of it. Yeah. Uh, I tell her I'm Jewish and I agree with a zero tolerance approach to anti Semitism, but the party is so gung ho that it is now labelling people anti Semitic who simply aren't, and there is a danger of destroying lives in the process. Well, look, <laughs> I'm not on the bodies that make those, dis- you know, the fucking great yeah. anti Semitism arbiters mm. of the Labour Party, which, as I understand it, I think what she means is just like Luke A. Kirst and a couple of his mates yeah. in the back room deciding who gets to be a yeah. Labour member and who doesn't. So I don't know the details of that case, but it is so important that we are seen to, and we do, tackle anti Semitism. Ken Loach. You might like his films, but his views... Dot, dot, dot. Well, certainly they are not ones I share. She fucking doesn't have anything. She doesn't have a fucking argument against the man. What views? His views. That doesn't make him anti-Semitic, says Simon Hanston. You don't think Ken Loach is anti-Semitic? Okay, 
Well, I think we might have to agree to differ. Party didn't say it was anti-Semitic. It no. just said that he associated with expelled members. Why does she think he is anti-Semitic? Look, I'm not on the bodies that make these decisions, but I think it's right we have a zero-tolerance approach. She's just turned into a Dalek yeah. in my yeah. mind at this point. Yeah. But you can't make such an accusation without supporting it, I say. Well, look, I'm not on the body that who makes these decisions. She repeats yet again. <laughs> Loach later <laughs> these tells me... These strikes are wrong when the negotiations are still ongoing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Loach later tells me there was no due process in his expulsion. He was just told he was unfit to be a party member. Anti-Semitism wasn't mentioned. Of course. They're going to expel Simon Hanston from the Labour Party. If yeah, yeah. Because he's run Ken Loach and spoke to him. Raging anti-Semite. Raphael opened his copy of The Guardian that day and was like... <gasps> I've read this article and you're showing dangerous signs of being a left-wing Jewish person. Out you go, son. Yeah. You're fucking... It's over. Oh, yeah, then he starts pressing... We can't read all of this, but he starts pressing her on nationalisation. Then he brings up the fact that Wes Streeting said that Labour leaders moved to the left to win the membership and then dart to the right to win over the country. She laughed and said... Well, Keir asked me when he appointed me Shadow Chancellor how much it would cost to nationalise all these different companies. Fucking idiot. She doesn't fu- he doesn't fucking know a thing about yeah. actual fucking policy. I said it would cost tens of billions of pounds. He asked me what impact that would have on bills. I said none. You'd still be buying gas and electricity on global markets. Okay, he said, what, what are the big energy companies making in profits this year? Where's that profit come from if they're not overcharging anyone? Yeah, it's ridiculous. They are making money and raising the yes. bills. It's like, fuck yes. off. Fuck this fucking parasitic system, man. He said, what about if we tax them more? I said, yeah, we could raise a lot of money and use it to help people pay their bills. Keir is a pragmatic politician who is driven by what's the best thing we can do for ordinary working people who are paying these higher bills. It's just because Keir Starmer cares about the poor too much, basically, that he doesn't want everybody in the country to own public services that everyone uses. Yep, yeah. Absolutely nothing to do with Starmer and Labour's close links with Centrica. Oh my god, I wanted to get into some of all the like proper corruption, all the corporate fucks, buying Labour policy changes by giving some fucking shadow minister free Glastonbury tickets. Like, I don't think we've got time if we want to cover no. like the best band in history, but we should get into that on a future date because Definitely, that shit, yeah. it's a fucking outrage, it's fucking corruption. It should be a fucking scandal. Yeah, yeah. I worked in an incredibly junior role when I worked for British Gas, which is Centrica. And even then, in that capacity, I have lots of funny stories about the sheer ineptitude and idiocy, basically, of their board. Just cartoonishly out-of-touch people, but very well rewarded for it. (laughs) Just one more bit from a Rachel Reeves interview. A lobby journalist who knows Reeves well told me that Although she can appear wooden and humourless in public life, she has a good line in dirty jokes when she is down the pub. Fuck off. I mention it and she looks panic-stricken. I don't don't think so. Yeah, she's just like, you go to a pub with fucking Rachel Reese, she's just like Nick Mullin. She's just there like she's doing a (laughs) Chinese voice. She's like fucking... It's like calling people gay. Anyway, I don't think so, she yelps. What's her favourite joke, dirty or otherwise? This is a moment when I call my children to help me out, she says. Imagine you get the call, you know, like her, how fucking terrified her kids must be of her, this yeah. fucking... Literally, like, there are people who are head teachers without technically being a head teacher. It must just be like, oh my god, what is she ringing about now? What have I done? Fuck. And she's just like, hello, child! Can you tell me a good joke? Yeah, it's mad. She's like, I'll have to come back to you on that one. In my speeches, sometimes I say, can I have something to lighten them? So what she's saying is, yeah, I've got a great sense of humour. Sometimes I ask my speechwriters to put a joke in my speech. Yeah. (laughs) This joke is dope as well. If Jeff Bezos can afford to fly to space, he can afford to pay his taxes down here on planet Earth. Wait for the punchline, big fucking drum roll. And under Labour, he will. Wow. 
and I, I noticed that I had a good little joke in my first conference speak. Not I wrote a good conference. This yeah, is the yeah. shit that her fucking staffers are going out with for her, and she's like, ah ha ha, very funny. And, <laughs> and then she's like, he doesn't laugh, and doesn't she's even like, work as a, joke. a sort of joke. A sort of joke, Rachel. Alright, yeah, so that's just a yeah, good article. Well done to Simon Hattonston. You nailed her. So yeah, basically, Starmer's cabinet includes something like five or six Blair-era special advisors, as McTurnan gleefully pointed out on Twitter, and I believe on television, I think. They brought him out for a ceremonial victory lap about how Blairite the shadow cabinet was. changed forever where were you when uh, we were getting high on oh, uh, <laughs> an in- innocent enjoyment of music in a a packed venue apparently it was packed so there's loads of people there you know who i did see in the audience <coughs> ed Miliband. fucking cunt ed Miliband. i i say i saw yeah. in the audience in a video i wasn't there ed Miliband, <laughs> keir starmer no, they you, were both you, there you, you, Edit that out because I'm telling you, in a couple of years, this will be like the free trade hall. You know, everyone yeah. was there. And you don't want to have the open admission out there for anyone to listen to that you weren't there. Senior Labour politicians, including Ed Miliband and Keir Starmer, were actually. Sorry. Yeah. But senior Labour politicians, including Keir Starmer, <coughs> and Labour politicians who don't really have any power but would quite like to think of themselves as being quite senior, like Ed Miliband, were both there in attendance to witness the unveiling of the hot new band, the band of the future, centrist dad. <coughs> not to be confused with free-spirited peas, centristdad.com, not to be confused with the late 90s band, Gay Dad. This is an entirely but different... These are probably mostly heterosexual men. It has um, to be said, destined to be confused with Fat Cops. Yeah, very, very similar to Fat Cops. Yeah. but So, who's in the band, Jack? You need to explain this to us. Well, I, I know two of their members. You might have to fill me in. As I understand well, no, it... Yeah, I was hoping you would. <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay. Uh, centrist Dad. Band, I can get the ball rolling. So, firstly, yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got some cunt who seems to be everywhere at the moment. Apparently, like, the third most popular fucking Labour politician after, like, Starmer and Corbyn, after that poll we looked at last time. Ed Balls, who is just starting a new podcast with the even more evil George Osborne. I can't remember what it's called, but he has started. Oh, hang on, I, I know this because I just started sending them shit from the Angry Brigade Manifesto. It was in just check my mentions or my tweets. John Wilson appears to be the third member of the group, although it looks like there's at least four people on stage. So his podcast is called Political Currency. Fucking hell. Ed Balls and George Osborne take us behind closed doors into the rooms where decisions are made. What? Jesus. <laughs> on the yachts. <laughs> Which rooms are these? So I'm just watching their video now where they play Anarchy in the UK... There's a guy just holding a tambourine at the back of the stage. I guess they've got a Bez, although Bez was more front and centre. There's a guy on bass, there's a guy on guitar, there's Ed Balls on Ed drums. Balls drums. Playing drums in a very demure, sort of genteel way. He's just kind of, look at how his little hands are waving. It's like it is like kind of watching Ringo back in the 60s, actually. Mm-hmm. When kits, as a rule, were like a lot smaller, so yes, <laughs> drummers yeah. would just be, they'd just be like on one drum. Robert Peston is standing front and centre, and he is not playing an instrument. He apparently has a compelling enough singing voice that he is just the kind of magnetic frontman who stands there. He kind of holds the mic a bit, he's not doing Daltrey style mic swings. 
the mic's down quite low. He's not bending up towards the mic like Liam Gallagher. I'm not sure I could say who his on-stage manner reminds me of. Who? Well, I'm not sure about... I already said not the who. But (laughs) (laughs) But fucking no. My theory is that Peston has automatically been made the lead singer of this band because he has the most hair out of any of the members. It's a pretty important thing, unless you're like the Mm. band Live, who uh, (laughs) made it with a bald singer before um, the Troubles. As the Foo Radleys with the bald singer is the sound one, the Corbinite one. Oh, really? uh, The songwriter that everyone had down as the talent, Martin Carr, is like a proper transphobic... Wayne uh, Carr. Literal centrist dad. Yeah. (laughs) So, I don't know. There's two other unidentified members. We need to find out who the fucking tambourine player is. Right, so, yeah. One of them... I don't know who John Wilson is. One of them is this John Wilson guy who is... Just like a BBC radio guy, I guess, at a glance. Oh, right, um, okay. And then Chris the other Taylor. One, Chris Taylor, who is just a literary journalist. They played... Like, like, like his, his, his most recent... He doesn't tweet much, and his most recent tweet is him being pedantic about the grammar in a tourist trap Mexican restaurant he's seen in London. In, no, in, no, not even in London, in Beaconsfield motorway services. <laughs> Fact-checking the fucking overpriced fast food on the motorways. Great. That'll show Beaconsfield fucking motorway services. The group were surprisingly punk, according to the Evening Standard, playing 70s hits including One Way or Another by Blondie, with Peston inset above channeling Debbie Harry. What does that mean? It just means he was the singer. It's just literally, oh, there's some fucking shit for brains reading fucking The Evening Standard won't know who Blondie are. I better mention their singer. Oh, Debbie Harry, you're a pretty lady. Oh, yeah, okay. It's like, they're both the singer of the band. It's just SEO, isn't it? Get her name in, get the name of the hit in. Cunts. Yeah, yeah. Fucking cunts. I hate journalists. Uh, Like Liam. Me and Liam, we flip. Me and our kid, we fucking hate journalists. Uh, And Anarchy in the UK by the Sex Pistols. And that's that's what the the clip was going around about a minute or so of that. And they've done it like what a Frank Sidebottom cover of it would sound like if Frank Sidebottom was a cunt. Like, it was like a really corny, sort of almost fucking Von Tempe organ keyboard I am an antichrist. <laughs> yeah, Peston kind of sounds like how Alan Partridge sings. Yeah. The group got the approval of Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer when he popped up on stage left. That's rock and roll. Also, it's really cool that Peston, you know, one of our senior broadcast journalists, is like, yes, I am f- affiliated with this particular political tradition. The likely next prime minister. Yeah, yeah. and, and that's, this, that's cool. That's normal. Yeah, yeah, cool. exactly. It's just, it's just fucking corrupt, exactly. And he's just signalling his support for Starmer. Kia opted not to sing. Ha 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 ha. Peston and Balls have become podcasting rivals, whatever. Who gives a fuck? That's all. Give us some more information. Oh no, the next bit of the article is just about the pussy dolls. Pussycat dolls. The pussy dolls. That was the rejected name. That's from, my. From that's Peston's band. Yeah, that's my <laughs> new, like, I don't know, fucking pop punk band or something. The pussy dolls. <laughs> that's what Ed Balls was trying to insist on the name. Being, <laughs> yeah, the, the Balls, the balls dolls. Let's find out what else they played. I did actually, you know, I did a journal request, as they say. I reached out to Peston on Twitter and asked him if he could post the full set list for their show. Uh, he did not oblige. So, apparently they played songs by The Ramones, The Clash, and The Smiths. Yeah, centrist band, The Clash. You can't write that and not tell us what Clash song they fucking cover. I know. Let's be honest, it was probably some dishwater dull fucking choice. It was like London Calling or something. It was um, Rock the Casbah and Starmer was going mental because he's like, yes, bomb the cunts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, 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 they played Spanish bombs for Hillary Ben. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I was going to say, The Clash, obviously not a centrist band. Both the Ramones and the Smiths, though, arguably centrist bands. In the, the Smiths have a very right-wing singer and a pretty left-wing guitarist, and the Ramones had a quite left-wing singer and a very right-wing guitarist. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're both horseshoe theory bands. 
Although, sad singers and guitarists do fucking hate each other, so... Yeah, <laughs> You know, the KKK took my baby every, away was like, about like Johnny Morrissey, Ramone. Morrissey's right-wing enough, and everyone's aware of it, because he's mouthy enough about it, that no one really likes him anymore, apart from a small section of his previously quite big hardcore fan base. Yeah, sad and tragic. I would love to know what songs they played, but I'm going to be honest, I reckon it is all the most dull and obvious choices by each band who they performed songs by. Fucking Blitzkrieg Bop for the Ramones or some shit. Fucking London Calling for the Clash. What's an obvious Smith song to do? Please let me get what I want. Yeah, there you go. So it was in an advert. There you, uh, there, there you go. <laughs> it's I mean... literally the logic these people have. <laughs> oh, I remember the Smiths now. They were good. I haven't listened to them or any music in the 30 years since, but uh, John Lewis. Ah, good. Very good. <laughs> I mean, what I do like is that the fact that they've called this band Centrist Dad does speak to the fact that that brief it's... period where there was a left-wing alternative to the Centrist they were Dad so hegemony... for, like, six months in 2017. It fucked so them riled. up. It fucking made them question everything about their lives. Literally, the multiple catchphrases that were either invented or popularised from people were in a group DM with that rattled former shadow chancellors to the point where they're melting down about it. They're probably the second most well-known political journalist in the country having their fucking meltdown about it years on. Exactly. Like, big fucking, so, like, big eye emoji. Michael Rosen <laughs> did a reading two days ago at Street Festival in Dartmouth Park Road. All was fine, I think until the mic suddenly cut out. Rosen, jokingly at the time, I'm sure, suggested that Gove had severed the cable. However, he later then subsequently tweeted, I now gather from Twitter that the centrist dad band made up of Ed Balls, Robert Peston and John Wilson and others. It's like Mike Gapes, like, the podcast is about me and some other some people. Other people. <laughs> <laughs> Was playing either at the same time or more or less nearby. Whoa! So I think we've got, again, the centrists are trying to just shut down anyone who has an opposing view to them, particularly left-wing Jews like Michael yeah. Rosen. Yeah. We can claim Michael Rosen as a friend of the show because he follows me. and I've even chatted to him in the DMs. Well, it's that's really cool, actually. But Eve, can you get him on the show? I can try. I don't think I'll succeed. But ah, come on. Splitter Ted, Ted Splitter says, in which case it was perhaps more likely that MI5 severed the cable. And Michael Rosen said, they tried to sever my cable at least once before. I don't know if he literally means that or it's a euphemism for they tried to murder him. I think both <laughs> are entirely plausible. Yeah, why can't it be both? So, yeah, can't see any more news about Centrist Dad. I'll check NME, actually. i check the Evening Standard. Let's see if NME have any more reports on the set list. <laughs> okay, so John Wilson, the bassist, is the presenter of Front Row on Radio 4. Right. Blondie's one way or another. Yeah, it doesn't say what songs they did, just but it seems to be the Blondie one and the Pistols Anarchy in the UK are the only ones that anyone's that anyone seems to have identified. You've got to remember that like, it's all political journalists watching this, so they've not got much of a fucking clue about, I don't know what talking bands, about yeah. really, that aren't mega hits. Oh, I bet they did Teenage Kicks, because they're all p- No, I mean, just because <laughs> like, that's their kind of circle, isn't it? They all love hanging out with Fergal. They're like Fergal Sharky, the fans only of his later work, really. Though. And that's obviously their era of music as well. All these songs are from that like late 70s period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I just think it's cool that somebody with even worse politics than John Lydon has been singing Anarchy in the UK for a change. <laughs> yeah, fuck him. Sucks that Ed Balls is so ubiquitous. He's such a cunt. Yeah, it's bizarre. Like, he was hated as an active politician. Like Hated? At, at every level, over and above the Labour governments around, like, he was the one example they'd all point to, like, Gordon Brown's government's full of cunts and that. Yeah. When it was the right, when it was the right wing press, when it was the left wing like, everyone hated Ed Balls. Sweaty balls. Um, the line at the time was literally, like, he only had a job because they rated Yvette Cooper so highly don't think that's true i think they're both proper machine politicians oh she's out there fucking anyway. slagging off fucking nationalization again today. Of course she is. Of course she is. but Piece yeah like ed, ed, ed balls being rehabilitated 
part of it is I think TV and the British media flexing and we can turn any cunt into a halfway popular presenter yeah I mean Michael Portillo obviously being further evidence of that like genuinely <laughs> a horrible gun yeah and it's like oh he likes trains so let's just permanently give him as many TV series as he wants about trains until people like him hmm well have we got enough material I think so yeah yeah I think so I even managed to record shade under two hours yeah yeah nice I managed to record the last hour and ten minutes properly as well without my computer crashing okay well I've got the whole thing on the mp3 skype as well um so yeah no alright peace guys until next time Something to say, but I'm stumped. It's like somebody just turned up the pump. But I'm an artist, and I gotta have my way. I got something to say about having nothing to say. Songs they write. I can hear the music coming alive. Some tried and tested record archetype. It's exciting, it's other people, it's crowdsourcing.